Welcome aboard Imagination Skyway, your grand podcast tour of the magic. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and in today's episode, we're going to discuss one of the most iconic modern attractions at Walt Disney World, Expedition Everest, Legend of the Forbidden Mountain, over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Today happens to be, if you're listening live, the 25th anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park, and while the attraction we're going to talk about today was not an opening day experience, it has certainly become one of the most noteworthy rides at not only the park, but at all of the Disney parks around the world, and certainly one of the most beloved attractions at Disney, and one of the most thrilling as well. Today's episode, we're really going to dive into the details about Expedition Everest. I covered this episode way back in the day in a bonus episode, I believe in 2018, but as with so many other attraction episodes that I've done in the past, my script and formula has changed a bit, and there was a lot more to say about this particular ride that I wanted to revisit on this 25th anniversary of the park and share with all of you. So this episode will include some history, fun facts, and details you might not have known before, as well as a binaural audio recording of the attraction so that you can relive the magic of this particular ride. At the end of the show, we'll return to Imagination Central, where I'll share some ways in which you can stay connected with Imagination Skyway how you can discuss this topic with others, and how you can help to support and inspire the future of this show. Please remain seated, keep your hands and arms inside the podcast at all times, and enjoy your grand circle tour aboard Imagination Skyway. a legend beyond belief. Enter the Forbidden Mountain if you dare. Are you ready to face the Yeti? Expedition Everest, Disney's Animal Kingdom. The legend of the Forbidden Mountain is that these mountains, this whole natural area, is protected by the Yeti guardian of the mountain. These entrepreneurs have refurbished this tea train that used to serve the tea plantations all around here, and that's how we're going to get over the mountains to Mount Everest. The Yeti is this defender of the remote reaches of the Himalayas. So because we have entered this pristine and forbidden area, the Yeti is coming after this train and therefore coming after us. With an attention to detail in the Disney tradition, and state-of-the-art animatronics. Disney Imagineers work on their biggest project yet, 
taking their storytelling to new heights. This Yeti figure that we've built is an amazing tour de force of animation technology. I don't think Imagineering's ever done anything like this before. With more chills, spills, and thrills than ever. You fall backwards into the mountain, swirl around in the darkness, you come to a halt in this darkened cavern. It's a ride for the entire family. It's just a fast ride for the entire family. Join the expedition. Race through Everest. Face the Yeti. Expedition Everest. Adventure awaits only at Disney's Animal Kingdom. For decades, Disney's Imagineers have delighted guests with thrilling mountain attractions. It all started during Walt's time with the addition of Matterhorn bobsleds at Disneyland. Walt wanted to create an experience that would mimic a bobsled run down the icy peaks of the Matterhorn, and the result was an attraction that can still be experienced at the park more than 60 years later. Over time, Disney has continued to build thrilling mountain rides, including Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, soon to be Tiana's Bayou Adventure, Big Grizzly Mountain Runaway Mine Cars, Grizzly River Run, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Hyperspace Mountain, and beyond. There are many mountain attractions to enjoy at Disney, but arguably one of the best, and certainly one of the most detailed in its approach to story, can be found over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Expedition Everest Legend of the Forbidden Mountain opened at Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park on April 7th, 2006. It became the second roller coaster at the park, opening a few years after Primeval Whirl, and claimed the superlative as the tallest attraction at Walt Disney World, surpassing the 199-foot-tall Tower of Terror by a mere 6 inches. Even 17 years later, it remains one of the most popular rides at Walt Disney World and one of the highest rated online, with an average 4.8 out of 5 stars on Google reviews, putting it on par with Avatar Flight of Passage and just 0.1 stars shy of Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind's nearly perfect 5 star rating. Like most Disney attractions, the reason for Expedition Everest's popularity has only one part to do with the ride itself, and a whole lot to do with the surrounding story and details that make up this attraction. That has a lot to do with the head Imagineer for this project, Joe Rohde, who was the creative executive for Disney's Animal Kingdom and a master at creating story-driven attractions. From an Imagineering perspective, this attraction fits perfectly within the mythology of Disney's Animal Kingdom. At the park, the Imagineers work to convince guests of the intrinsic value of nature, often presenting nature to be in conflict with personal financial gain. For example, Kali River Rapids sends guests through an area of deforestation, showing the damaging impact that short-sighted financial ambitions can have on long-term ecosystem survival. On Kilimanjaro safaris, guests must keep a watchful eye out for poachers who slaughter innocent animals to profit on their horns, fur, and meat. On Dinosaur, guests even put themselves in harm's way by helping a greedy paleontologist bring back a live iguanodon to the present. 
Expedition Everest presents a similar conflict between the value of nature and the value of economic measures that disregard nature. While the story of Expedition Everest is not told through a formally orated narrative, carefully orchestrated details and sequences communicate the tale of the Forbidden Mountain and the short-sighted measure taken by an entrepreneurial team in Nepal. As you progress through the journey, you witness a local admiration for nature and a love for animals, which conflicts with the growth of tourism and the way in which it has necessitated industrial developments at the expense of nature. The setting for our story begins in the remote village of Sirkazong, an inconspicuous Nepali settlement at the foothills of the Himalayas, although one of the early concepts for the attraction placed Sirkazong in the neighboring country of Bhutan. The locals, who live in harmony with the natural world, observe a spiritual reverence for the surrounding landscape. Living below such inspiring peaks, it's no wonder that they practice a way of life that honors the intrinsic value of nature. Anyone who visits Sirkazong might notice a few spiritual practices in action. The first you'll likely encounter are prayer flags and bells, which are hung at different locations around the village. According to local custom, whenever someone has a prayer they're hoping to be answered, they hang a flag in the village. When the prayer is answered, the same person will remove the flag and ring a bell to signal gratitude. When it comes to the natural world, there's another practice that the locals observe, a custom that originated from a powerful legend, the legend of the Forbidden Mountain. Around Sirkazong, you'll encounter shrines, paintings, and temples dedicated to a ferocious creature, a fabled guardian of the mountain known as the Yeti. At many of these locations, you'll also discover gifts that locals have left the Yeti behind. In the eyes of these locals, the Yeti is a powerful and positive force, a guardian and protector of the forest. In leaving gifts for the Yeti, they hope this creature will protect them as well, protecting their farms, flocks, and families, and of course, the wildlife in the region that they love so much. Of all the shrines and temples across Sirkazong, my personal favorite can be found on the opposite side of Discovery River on your journey back to Kali River Rapids. This shrine offers a gorgeous view of the mountainous peaks of the Himalayas in the distance, and it offers a somewhat surprising detail most guests completely miss. If you stand a few feet away from the shrine and set your eyes at about a child's level, you'll notice that the shrine is actually designed to look like the Himalayas. In fact, at just the right height and distance away from this structure, the peaks of the shrine and the mountain itself will line up perfectly. As a kind of bonus detail, the Yeti figure is located inside the Forbidden Mountain, letting travelers know exactly which part of the mountain range to respect the most. With these details in place, it's easy to see how the residents of Sirkazong believe in the intrinsic value of nature and celebrate practices that treat nature with reverence and respect. It's a harmony with the natural world that's encouraged through the message of Disney's Animal Kingdom, and one that the Imagineers presented as being in conflict with the economic ambitions of a new entrepreneurial venture, Himalayan Escapes. As the story goes, a local pair of entrepreneurs, Bob and Norbu, identified an opportunity to take tourists from Sirkazong to a base camp near Mount Everest. Knowing that travelers from around the world would pay handsomely for the opportunity to boast about their adventures to the highest point above sea level, Bob and Norbu thought of a way to make it even easier for travelers to make this expedition, sending them to the base camp by train. 
Rather than build a railroad system from scratch, this resourceful duo purchased an old tea plantation in Sirkazong, an establishment that used a fleet of tea trains to gather tea leaves and plants from the highest peaks of the surrounding mountains. They then repurposed these tea trains to carry passengers and identified the shortest route possible to get their customers to Mount Everest, knowing that the quickest route would lower their expense and increase the number of passengers they could carry back and forth in any given month. Under normal circumstances, a quicker route would not necessarily be considered a bad thing, especially when it comes to trains. A quicker route means fewer emissions and fewer resources utilized, which is normally better for the planet. Unfortunately, the path that Bob and Norbu identified cut right through the Forbidden Mountain, the legendary home of the Yeti. In fact, the sheer creation of this venture was perceived as a violation of the natural world, as it would require removing sections of forest to make the journey possible. The locals believed that the Yeti would also consider this venture to be in conflict with the natural world and urged Bob and Norbu to reconsider. Believing the Yeti to simply be a legend, the entrepreneurs pushed forward and opened Himalayan escapes to the public, taking the path through the Forbidden Mountain as planned. With the public opening of Himalayan escapes, the locals turned their protest from the business to its customers. Knowing that many travelers might not be aware of the Yeti, they decided to place warning signs near the entrance of the train station to communicate the legend of the Forbidden Mountain. One particular warning sign near the attraction's entrance marquee reads, Yeti, guardian of the realm of the Himalayas, respect tradition, beware the legend of the Forbidden Mountain. Another, which is in the queue, reads, Local beliefs say that the Yeti is the guardian of the Forbidden Mountain and sacred realm of the Himalayas. Meanwhile, near the exit of the attraction, a flyer reads, Yeti is real. Mr. Professor Pema Dorje of Sirkazong Village, Botansa Himal District, will speak next week concerning the legends and evidences of the Yeti guardian of the sacred mountains. The esteemed conservation biologist and curator of the Yeti Museum in Sirkazong will present dramatic new findings that prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, Yeti is real. Next week, 1930, Sumbar, Monday, Yeti Museum, Sirkazong Village, Botansa, Himal District, and Andapur. As it turns out, the Yeti Museum is located right next to the entrance of Himalayan Escapes, and the queue for the ride even sends guests through this exhibit, much to the resentment of Bob and Norbu. In fact, you can find references to this disagreement throughout the Yeti Museum. Inside the museum, you'll find a sign that reads, Respect the power of the Yeti. The weight of the evidence leads to the inescapable conclusion. The Yeti is real. You are about to enter the sacred domain of the Yeti, guardian and protector of the Forbidden Mountain. Those who proceed with reverence and respect for the sanctity of the natural environment and its creatures should have no fear. To all others, a warning. You risk the wrath of the Yeti. Professor Pema Dorje, PhD, curator, the Yeti Museum. Nearby, you'll find a simple message written on a Himalayan Escapes notepad which reads, The opinions expressed by the curator of the Yeti Museum in no way reflects the views of the owners and operators of Himalayan Escapes tours and expeditions, nor boo Bob proprietors. This message also contains one of the few references to the owners' names who otherwise appear to be missing from the establishment. Like many attractions at Disney's Animal Kingdom, this conflict presents a choice, one that we as inhabitants of our planets face every day. When we are presented with an enticing opportunity, one that affords us increased wealth, 
pleasure or prosperity at the expense of the expense of the natural environment, do we opt into that experience or do we find more creative ways to achieve the same outcome with a less harmful impact on the natural world? Expedition Everest's conflict is particularly fitting for a theme park ride. You're presented with the opportunity to board a train that will take you through an adventurous mountain range and risk encountering a tremendous creature whose sole purpose is to protect that realm. In a way, that storyline is similar to Indiana Jones' adventure at Disneyland, which offers you the opportunity to gain remarkable wealth, knowledge of the future, or eternal youth, but you risk your own demise if you look into the eyes of Mara, failing to respect this deity's power. With Expedition Everest, the story straddles the line between superstition and reality. Is the Yeti a sacred spirit, an animal creature, or simply a legend? Either way, it provides the perfect foundation for a thrilling adventure. As you approach the entrance for this attraction, the first thing that builds a sense of anticipation and adventure is the large mountain structure. To make the Himalayan mountain range appear to be thousands of feet tall, the Imagineers used an old film technique forced perspective. As you move up the structure, details become increasingly smaller. At ground level, the rocks and details are carved and painted at 100% scale. As you continue up the mountain, the details are created at smaller and smaller scales, moving to 90%, then 80%, and beyond. By the time you reach the top of the structure, glaciers that would normally be hundreds of feet tall are painted in mere inches. This perspective creates the illusion, whether you're close to the mountain or far away, that the mountain is significantly taller than its true 199-foot, 6-inch height. Another interesting fact about the design of the mountain range involves how the Imagineers visually worked Mount Everest into the story. As the tallest peak in the Himalayas at nearly 30,000 feet above sea level, Mount Everest could easily be seen from far distances in real life. This means that even with large peaks nearby, gaps in the mountain range from certain angles would reveal Mount Everest in the distance. On Expedition Everest, most guests assume that the 190-foot-tall, 6-inch-tall part of the mountain is meant to represent Mount Everest. However, this common sentiment is incorrect. The 199-foot, 6-inch-tall part of the mountain, the tallest point on the mountain structure, is actually the Forbidden Mountain. It was designed as the tallest part of the structure, not because it's meant to be the tallest mountain, but because it's meant to be the closest. Think about how a large building up close would appear to be taller than large buildings in the distance, even when those buildings are taller up close. The Imagineers wanted Mount Everest to appear to be very far away, indicating that the trek would truly be an expedition. But they needed to keep forced perspective in mind, which required them designing the Forbidden Mountain to be the tallest point at 199 feet 6 inches. If you're using the Yeti Shrine across Discovery Island as your guide, the second peak from the left the one with the Yeti statue inside it, is the Forbidden Mountain, the place where the Yeti actually lives. Mount Everest is the next structure over to the right at the top. This peak was designed to look exactly like the summit of Mount Everest, which has a relatively shallow slope on either side of its summit. If you look closely, you can see how the mountain representing Everest has snowy details that are painted much smaller than those of the Forbidden Mountain, helping to create the forced perspective illusion, illusion that it is significantly taller and farther away than the Yeti's home. The sense of adventure continues as you walk through the queue. 
When you enter through standby or lightning lane, your first stop is the booking office, where you would be booking or checking in for your expedition, processing permits, and weighing your luggage. The lightning lane assumes that because you've reserved your spot ahead of time, you already knew you were planning this journey. So the queue leads to a small pop-up trek shop where you can purchase last-minute supplies you might have forgotten to pack. This leads into a smaller version of the Yeti Museum and into the loading area. In the standby queue, the booking office leads you to an open area near a Yeti temple, which overlooks a courtyard focused on a Yeti shrine. If you missed the warning signs out front, this shrine is hard to miss, so it offers another introduction to the spiritual animal side of our story. This is also where you'll find more prayer flags and bells to showcase the local customs of Sirka Zong. These details continue to build upon the spiritual motif of the attraction. This portion of the queue also offers an incredible angle for forced perspective, seeing the tremendous peaks of the Forbidden Mountain towering over the small offices of Himalayan escapes. You get a sense not only of the enormous height of the Himalayan peaks, but also of the importance that the Imagineers placed on the natural world. With Expedition Everest, the mountains are standing at remarkable heights above the local man-made structures. If moving into the extended queue area, your next stop is the old gardens of the repurposed tea plantation. Signs warn visitors not to step on or take the tea. And in a small way, it's yet another message that encourages guests to respect nature. From the gardens, your next stop is Tashi's Trek and Tongba Shop, which has a tagline that says, We provide the finest in mountaineer equipments for all needs new and used. Guests visiting this part of the queue will notice an assortment of props available for purchase, everything you might need for a trip to Mount Everest. One of my favorite details about this shop and many other aspects of the queue is that the props you see are real items that the Imagineers brought back from their travels to the Himalayas. In some cases, they bought out entire shops, providing a nice little economic boost to that town and family, and creating a truly authentic expedition experience in Florida. It's one of those little details Walt Disney would certainly be proud of, a detail that pluses the attraction. The shop takes you directly into the Yeti Museum. Here, you'll find an array of details that help lead you to the conclusion that the Yeti is indeed a real creature, not just a local legend. The most prominent examples include a blurry photo of the Yeti, and a preserved footprints of the creature. Still, there is room for interpretation that perhaps the evidence was doctored. It's up to you to decide whether you will perceive the details in the museum as factual evidence or as an effort from locals to ward off tourists. Either way, it leads you into the loading area for the attraction, and the tension at this point should be reaching its peak, leading you to ultimately decide whether you will board the repurposed tea train or avoid the risk of potentially encountering the Yeti at the Forbidden Mountain. The loading area for this attraction is intentionally designed to feel like a railroad station, and the T trains are meant to look like rear-powered steam locomotives. You'll notice that the trains let off a whistle whenever they leave the station, and real steam surrounds the engine behind the last row when the train enters the loading area, a practical effect that is created by a real burner next to the loading area, which lets off steam just below the rear of the train to make it seem like a real steam-powered locomotive. The trains are not only smartly designed, but also the longest roller coasters at Walt Disney World. With 17 rows, each train can accommodate 34 guests, 
and with such a long train design, the front and back are completely different physical experiences, as is the middle of the train. In the back row, you're sure to get a lot of airtime down the largest drops, and in the front, you're guaranteed to feel a little extra pit in your stomach when the train cascades backwards into the dark. With trains departing the station approximately every minute, Expedition Everest can accommodate about 2,000 guests per hour, or even more on peak days when the ride is operating at maximum efficiency. After boarding the T-Train, your journey begins through a forest heading towards the mountain range. This takes you up a small incline and back down as you chug along at a steady pace toward the base of the Forbidden Mountain. In this section of the attraction, dense forest gives travelers a glimpse of what the Yeti aims to protect and what the locals of Surkazong hold in high regard. An untamed wilderness filled with woodland creatures, something that local tourism and development might soon threaten. Rounding a corner towards the base of the main lift toward the Forbidden Mountain, the trains journey through yet another Yeti shrine at the top of a nearby mountain. This shrine includes a painting of the Yeti with his left palm held out toward guests, as if to provide a final warning not to proceed toward his protected domain. What I find most interesting about this painting is that it is the most detailed depiction of the Yeti we have seen so far. This provides a subconscious cue that we're getting closer to where the Yeti lives, and that perhaps he's not such a superstition after all. Really because the locals in this part of the Himalayas, living in the neighboring mountain, would have a greater chance of encountering the Yeti than would the locals where our journey began. So rather than creating a simple sculpture outlining the silhouettes of the creature, they would be able to show much more detail, including the color and texture of the Yeti's fur, the size of its eyes, the shape of its teeth, and the length of its claws. With this clear image in mind, it almost seems that the locals have left even more valuable gifts for the Yeti than we've seen in previous temples, and you can even hear the sound of instruments, perhaps part of a ceremonial ritual in place to pay tribute to the guardian of the mountain. As we continue to climb, the train lets out another whistle, as simple sound effects make it appear to echo through the mountains. This point of the attraction also offers a terrific view of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Reaching the top of the main lift, we head into a canyon, make a left turn through a misty cave, and head up an inclined section of track, only to find that the track ahead has been ripped apart. So as to not glide off the edge of the cliff ahead, the train comes to a screeching halt. Up ahead, a large, large bird of prey soars through the sky as we hear a distant roar. It's unclear at this point whether the roar is the sound of a strong wind gust or the sound of a large creature nearby. Either way, it's unclear at this point how the train will continue forward. In a panic, the train suddenly begins to glide backwards and finds its way into an alternate track. Here, the train falls backwards into a pitch black cave. Unable to see anything, we swirl backwards through a large banked section of track, traveling around a circle about one and a half times in the dark. This section of the attraction offers a rather convincing illusion, and one that was, in a way, kind of an accident. If you ask some guests who experienced the attraction whether they went upside down on the ride, many will insist that they did. Despite this common misconception, the ride never actually goes upside down at any point. The reason many say that they do has to do with the sequence of g-forces you feel at this point of the experience, along with the fact that you're traveling in the dark and traveling backwards, which definitely disorients your senses. When you first fall backwards, the train falls to the left down a moderately steep banked drop. When it reaches the bottom, 
it maintains its leftward tilt and begins to ascend up a banked incline. It reaches the top, still tilting to the left, and falls down a shallower bank drop. It then levels off, falls down another very small drop, and turns out of the dark into a brighter cave. In other words, all you really do is proceed down a long left turn banked towards the middle of the turn through the dark with sections of track where you fall and sections where you rise. The reasons why this feels a bit like a loop is because it follows the same exact G4 sequence you would feel going upside down. You first fall, producing negative Gs that seem to lift you out of your seat. When you reach the bottom and start to head back up the mountain, you're pushed into your seat as you experience some positive Gs. Leveling off at the top of that incline, you experience some slight negative Gs, only to level off and get another section of slight positive Gs. When you go through a vertical loop, you experience that same sequence of G-forces, first dropping towards the loop, then being pushed into your seat as you ascend the loop, then slightly less positive Gs at the top of the loop, and stronger positive G-forces again at the bottom of the loop. Combined with the fact that you're traveling in the dark and moving backwards, this leads some people to believe that they went upside down in this part of the ride. Rest assured, you actually do not, and if you're ever curious, just look up some construction photos of Expedition Everest and you'll see what this section of track actually looks like. Either way, it's typically considered the most intense part of the ride. As we enter a bright cave, the train hits the brakes once again along an inclined section of track. Here, we pause and see the silhouette of a large creature up ahead on the cave wall. The creature roars, rips up another section of track, and swings out of view. It's yet another sign that the Yeti is a real creature, and at this point, the evidence is pretty convincing. At this point, the brakes unlock and we head down a new section of track, which leads us out of the cave into the largest drop of the attraction, sending us down about 80 feet toward the bottom of the mountain, where we reach a top speed of 55 miles per hour. It's also the most visible part of the ride from the ground, as guests can watch the trains descend out of the Forbidden Mountain in an adjacent waiting area near the exits of the gift shop. This part of the ride then leads us back up into another cave where we hear the Yeti roar as we descend back into the mountain, heading back outside through a large left-banked section of track in the back of the mountain, which is actually rather similar to the design of the backward section of track in reverse. It's also one of the few roller coasters that has an incline spiral instead of a decline spiral. The culmination of the experience then sends us into a dark cavern where we bank to the right and for the first time come face to face with the Yeti perched on a rock nearby. It lets out a roar as we head its way and though it seems like it might finally have us cornered, we narrowly escape its grasp, descending into another dark cave just below. This leads us to the final section of breaks on the ride, sending us back to the unload area at Circa Zong. Before we discuss the iconic Yeti animatronic that you encounter in this final show scene, let's talk briefly about the roller coaster itself. While Walt Disney Imagineers created the layout for the track, most notably with Joe Rohde and Robert Coltrane designing the layout, the coaster itself was manufactured by Vacoma, a Dutch amusement park manufacturer who has worked with Disney on multiple occasions. In fact, Vacoma is also responsible for manufacturing Big Thunder Mountain and Space Mountain at Disneyland Paris, Space Mountain at Hong Kong Disneyland, Rock and Roller Coaster, both at Disney's Hollywood Studios and at Disneyland Paris, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Big Grizzly Mountain Runaway Mine Cars, The Barnstormer, Tron Light Cycle Run, and more. Vacoma and the Imagineers also designed two new pieces of roller coaster technology for Expedition Everest. The first was a silent chain lift system. 
If you can think back to a traditional amusement park roller coaster, most historically, those use the chain lift system. In fact, this method of bringing roller coaster trains to the top of the track has been used for over 100 years. It's rather simple in design, and it uses a motor placed under the lift to move a chain circuit up the lift hill and back down underneath. Roller coasters lock into the chain and are catapulted up the lift hill, moving with the chain lift system. To prevent the roller coaster from falling back down the hill in the event of a power outage or a motor failure, chain lifts also include an anti-rollback device, which looks kind of like a row of shark teeth along the hill. For each roller coaster train that uses a chain lift system, you'll find a series of heavy metal pieces hanging underneath each car. These metal pieces lift over each rollback piece on the lift hill when rolling forward, but if the car were to move backward, the metal pieces would fall into the gaps between the rollback devices, firmly keeping the car in place. You're probably wondering why I'm going into so much detail about an old piece of roller coaster engineering. Well, this anti-rollback system produces the clanking sound that you hear when you listen to a traditional chain lift roller coaster, as each metal piece under the train lifts over a rollback piece in the track and falls into the gap before the next one, it lets off a metal clanking noise. When you apply that to multiple cars with multiple metal plates rolling over hundreds of anti-rollback pieces, it sounds a little something like this. The Imagineers knew that they wanted to utilize a chain lift system for Expedition Everest, but the sound would defeat the illusion that you were riding a T-train into the Himalayas rather than a roller coaster into a man-made structure. They needed to find a way to make this system silent, and Vacoma was there to help. The solution was using electromagnetic currents. When the train moves forward, magnets along the lift system lift the metal pieces under the train so that they float over the anti-rollback pieces rather than slide across and fall between them. The magnetic system works in reverse if the train moves backward, releasing the metal pieces so that they fall into the gaps between the lift pieces as designed. The result is a completely silent lift system. The only time you hear it is when the last car unlatches from the chain system at the top of each lift. It's not exactly something guests will notice is missing from the attraction, but that's exactly the point. If you were to hear the sound, you would immediately think roller coaster. But not hearing the sound, you're more easily led to believe in the story that's being told. The second piece of technology that Vacoma worked with Walt Disney Imagineering to design was a totally different kind of track switch. With traditional trains and roller coasters, track pieces rotate or shift horizontally along the ground to allow for a train to change tracks. With Expedition Everest, the team created a track system that rotates vertically, essentially flipping upside down to reveal another piece of track that was hanging below. 
there are two places where you encounter this system. The first is when the train shifts from forward to backward, and the second is when the train shifts from backward to forward. If you're sitting in the front row, you can actually watch the track flip over to reveal the next track piece in the second scene. It's fascinating to watch if you get the chance to see it in person. The mountain design process for Expedition Everest also presents a unique story. With the advancement of computer technology in the early 2000s, the Imagineers were able to recreate the mountain structure digitally. This enabled them to see what the final results would look like from all different angles, including the structural support beams. Amazingly, the attraction is actually made of three separate structures sharing the same physical space. The first structure is the roller coaster itself, consisting of brown rails and black cylinder support beams. The second structure is the mountain, supported by a matrix of red and white steel beams. The way in which these structures were built around each other was critical to the safety of the overall design. The red and white beams supporting the mountain needed to be sturdy enough that they would stand in place, but the black cylinder beams supporting the roller coaster needed a few inches of leeway in any direction to be able to move. That's because roller coasters carry so much weight and kinetic energy that they place extra pressure on support beams as they pass overhead. The slight give in the support beams keeps them in good standing over years of use. Knowing that the beams would shift those few inches every time, the design team made sure that the mountain structure beams were at least a few inches away from the roller coaster support beams in any given direction. I had the opportunity to see the inside of the center of the mountain with my own eyes, and it really is an impressive feat. The third structure making up the mountain is a beast of a creation. Literally. The Yeti animatronic encountered at the end of the ride is 25 feet tall, weighing 4 tons, about the same weight as an elephant. In fact, the Yeti carries so much force and weight that the Imagineers couldn't support it the same way they would another animatronic figure. Instead, they built a large boom built into the Yeti's back that would not be visible from the guest's point of view. The boom is capable of horizontal and vertical motion at 18 inches up and down and 5 feet forward and backward. Seeing the structure behind the scenes, it's truly massive. In addition, the Yeti itself is made of 19 points of animation, which can be used in different combinations to create lifelike movement. The structure and the Yeti's animated movements are powered by a 3000 PSI hydraulic thruster that can be recharged in 20 seconds. This power carries more thrust than a Boeing 747. With such force, it's no wonder that the Yeti needed its own structure built separately from the mountain and the coaster, then placed inside. Creating the look for the Yeti took another talented team of Imagineers. Looking to real primates as their source of inspiration, they created what could be considered a real creature, but one so large that it would be unlike anything anyone had ever seen in the animal world. The design work began with concept work and drawings of the creature, then moved to engineering. Much like Harriet Burns did for the Tiki Birds on Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, the design team then needed to create the fabric and fur that would encase the animatronic structure, then finish it off with paint. The Yeti isn't your average Tiki Bird, though. All in, the Yeti's encasing includes 1,000 square feet of fabric, complete with 250 zippers and buttons to lock its fur in place. Separately, sound engineers needed to create a sound for the Yeti, one that would make guests fear for the creature and believe it was a real animal sound. The results, as you'll hear in a second, I believe is very convincing.
Many Disney fans might know that the Yeti is not operating the same way it did on opening day. In its original form, the Yeti would actually swipe down at guests as they passed by. This illusion was incredibly frightening when it worked. Through an illuminated cavern, guests would descend down a drop, head back up toward the Yeti, and suddenly drop back under its perch to narrowly escape its grasp. At the point in which the train would come closest to the Yeti, its hand would stretch out toward guests and begin to swipe down toward the train, as if to try to knock it off the track. With such long T-trains, the Yeti would swipe down twice, the second time getting a little bit closer to the train. For such a large animatronic figure, the motions were very fast, which is why the Yeti required so much thrust to operate. Unfortunately, soon after the attraction opened, the engineering team learned that the Yeti movements were so powerful that it was causing damage to the surrounding mountain structure. Even being created in a separate structure, the proximity of the Yeti system still sent energy into the mountain. From that point, it was determined that the Yeti scene could only operate in an alternate sequence, which they created during the design of the attraction in case they ever needed to turn off the Yeti's movements for repairs. In this alternate show scene, guests enter the cave in the dark, and as they approach the Yeti, strobe lights illuminate the room. Although the Yeti is entirely motionless, the pace at which the trains pass through this room make it seem as if perhaps the Yeti is moving. While Disney fans hope that someday the Yeti will return to its original sequence, the work required would be a lot more complicated, expensive, and time-consuming than people might think. Nevertheless, I still maintain some hope that the Imagineers will find a solution, and even if they don't, Expedition Everest still remains one of the most popular rides at Walt Disney World. With such an extensive and highly detailed story, authentic details brought back straight from the Himalayas, a realistic Yeti, and a thrilling roller coaster design. Expedition Everest is a brilliant creation from Walt Disney Imagineering. What we discussed here merely covers the basics of how this attraction was designed. And yet, even the basics are full of impressive stories and details. It seems apparent that this ride will go down in history as another classic Disney Mountain attraction, on par with such classics as Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and Matterhorn Bobsleds. At this point, I'd love to take you with me for a ride on Expedition Everest Legend of the Forbidden Mountain, thanks to some binaural audio I recorded back in 2020. As with most scenic audio, this recording should best be enjoyed with headphones or earbuds, which will give you a more realistic 360-degree experience. But listening on speakers or another audio device should still make you feel as if you're riding the attraction. With that, let's head to the village of Sorkazong and make our daring expedition to the Forbidden Mountain.
Sit down, guys. Please don't all be bounced, please.
Welcome back to Imagination Central. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode about Expedition Everest, Legend of the Forbidden Mountain. I thought it was just perfect to post on the 25th anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Again, even though the attraction did not open on opening day with the park, it still opened several years later and has an anniversary in April as well. So no better way to celebrate 25 years of Disney's Animal Kingdom than by discussing one of its most prominent and beloved attractions. Of course, I do want to turn this conversation over to you and ask, what do you love most about Expedition Everest? You can submit your answers and join the conversation by finding a Imagination Skyway on your favorite social media channels. I generally post questions like this to our Instagram page as well as our Facebook group, probably the most prominent places where you can find us. You can find links to those two locations and our other social media channels all by heading to imaginationskyway.com. You can find all the links over there or just look for Imagination Skyway on your favorite social media app. If you're listening to this podcast, perhaps for the first time or just you haven't subscribed to the uh, podcast yet, but you really enjoyed this topic or other episodes of the show, do yourself a favor and go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast app you're listening to the show on. It helps you to be the first to know when new podcast episodes become available so you never miss an episode of the show. And if you have the ability to leave a rating or a review in that podcast app, I encourage you to do so. It really helps this podcast out a lot, especially if you're listening right now on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. If you love the show, go ahead and leave us a rating and perhaps even a review in Apple Podcasts over there. I do read each and every review I get and sincerely appreciate them. And the ratings, of course, just make sure that we continue to increase our relevance in these podcast apps, especially if someone searches for a Disney-related topic that they find the show. If you want to take your love of Imagination Skyway to the next level, I would encourage you to join our Patreon group. You can learn more about that at imaginationskyway.com slash community. It's a way that you can support the show and get exclusive perks and benefits in return. Lots of extra content, including bonus podcast episodes that you can listen to, recordings from the parks that I've made, including some that have never been released on the podcast, at least not yet, that you can enjoy about 60, at this point, binaural audio recordings that will bring you back to the parks that you can enjoy on the go whenever you would like. Access to a private Facebook group and so much more. The terms and conditions are subject to change depending on when you're listening to the show. So simply head to imaginationskyway.com community to learn a little bit more about what's currently available. And thanks as always to all of our Patreon members. When you're ready to take a trip to Walt Disney World to visit Expedition Everest or to Disneyland or Disney Cruise Line, Aulani, even places like Disneyland Paris and other Disney destinations around the world, you'll want to connect with our 
uh, travel agency, Magical Park Vacations. I should say our, our sponsor, Travel Agency, Magical Park Vacations. Really an amazing team of agents that I personally work with, including when I book my own trips to Disney. This is the team that I reach out to to help me out. It is all complimentary, which I love. It saves me so much time. As I said before in other episodes, literally, because Kim is my agent, who uh, is the co-owner of Magical Park Vacations. I just text Kim. She has all my information to say, hey, Kim, these are the dates. Let me know what's available. She tells me what's available. She knows my favorite resorts, maybe throws in a couple of new ones. I pick one. She books it for me. Just makes life so simple. It's like having a free assistant. It's just so much fun. And they do really an amazing job at helping to make the most, not just booking the hotel, but really making a great experience for you. So you can learn more about them at MagicalParkVacations.com. If you want a little bit of extra support and help to develop sort of a game day, day-by-day plan for your vacation, helping you to really navigate the parks and come up with a strategy to make the best use of your time. I encourage you to also reach out to their sister company, The Park Planners. You can learn more about them on social media at The Park Planners and over at theparkplanners.com. But really a great team that, again, takes that to the next level and helping you to design a day-by-day itinerary. Such a concierge service that I have personally worked with and do really an amazing job. It's like having a Disney guide with you throughout your entire vacation to access virtually and they make life and our vacations so much less stressful so really a really wonderful team to reach out to if you ever want a little bit of extra support um, or just want to think about ways that you can might might be able to do your disney vacations a little bit differently last but not least i want to encourage you as i always do to go after your hopes your dreams your goals whatever it is you've been waiting to do if you keep waiting for the perfect time You're never going to do it. There is no such thing as a perfect time. Go ahead and take action today. That first step, that first step is the hardest, but take that first step to making your dreams come true. Thank you so much for riding aboard Imagination Skyway. And remember, as always, if we can dream it, we can do it.
I'm Dr. Secret here from the controller and a heck of a paleontologist if I do say so myself. A Disney cruise is no ordinary vacation. It's an adventure, a fairy tale, a dream. Step aboard and discover where favorite Disney characters meet fun for the whole family, where total rest and relaxation meet the ultimate escape and excitement, where a dream vacation meets a magical cruise. Only on Disney Cruise Line, where magic meets the sea. Contact Magical Park Vacations to book your next Disney cruise today. Visit MagicalParkVacations.com.